Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. frightening it is. So, <laughs> um, if um, the only person who's going to, I need this word today, I really, really need it. So, if you were just to spend your, this time now um, on Facebook or Instagram or making the list for your weekly shop, then that would be fine because I need to hear this word today. Um, and um, yeah, we've started this series, um, Lost and Alone, found it at home and, and Matt started it. It's about discipleship and essentially it's one of the key things that marks our mission in Ivy um, Church in this world and in this community. Um, so these are important lessons that we, we need to learn and I have, I have really journeyed with this message in the last few, two weeks. Um, I suppose I, I want to ask you have you ever lost something or someone that you love? Today we're looking at how God sees being lost, being separate from him. You know if you lose your wallet or your phone, more likely nowadays, <laughs> where's my phone, where's my phone? And the panic goes over, you know that cold sweat feeling? <laughs> I can't find it, where is it, where is it, where is it? And it's, it makes you feel sick, you know, and it's horrible. And you think, you think oh, I've lost something important. Um, has anybody ever lost one of their children? Would you put your hand up? Or maybe an elderly relative, because you know this is becoming a thing that many of us have. You know, we lose somebody who's, um, you know, maybe getting forgetful or, or poorly. That horrible feeling. Well, I lost our son Benjamin in a shop in Manchester. We were in a really large craft shop in the northern quarter. I do a bit of crafting on the side. And it's massive and it's over 100 years old. It's called Fred Aldous, if you know it. And it's huge and it's got two stories. It's got, you go in at the ground level, it's massive. And, you go, and then it's got a basement. You go downstairs and that's massive as well. And um, we've been there many, many times, my poor son. <laughs> but I think because of familiarity with the shop, he felt really at home there. And I was on the ground floor looking at some stationery. Um, I like a bit of stationery. I don't know if you do. And, um, and I turned around and he was gone. And, you know, the, the front door was there. And do you know that feeling that I felt then? That sick, like properly sick feeling and um, you know when it goes there and I um, was calling in over high-pitched tones you know Benjamin Benjamin and I'm not somebody who's prone to a lot of fuss so I was trying to hold down my mounting panic and at the same time I felt and I'm not being funny I thought someone had snatched him and in desperation, I ran um, to the man on the till. And I said, help me please, I've lost my son. And this was a man, young man, and he recognised the face of a deranged older woman. And, uh, 
And he saw my panic. And he moved immediately to CCTV screens and he began scouring the, the screens. And finally, after what seemed like an hour, 30 seconds, um, he spotted something and he said, and it was, he said, look, there's a foot down by the Airfix models. Is that him? And he, it was hidden right at the furthest end, downstairs and right at the furthest end of the shop. Um, was on the floor studying the Airfix models was my gorgeous son. Thank you, I shouted behind you. <laughs> Thank you. And I took the stairs two at a time, like literally two at a time. And I didn't care who was in the shop. I was properly running towards my son across the shop floor. And I scooped him up into my arms and hugged him. And he saw in that minute, in my eyes, how much I loved him. And you know, as a parent, when you're trying to restrain yourself and yet your emotions are coming up because you have felt sick. He was lost and then found. And I was so relieved. Here's, my, here's our flesh and blood. And what a relief. And I can feel some of it now, just recalling it. It's one of those visceral moments that you don't forget because you've felt it. Can you, do you know what I mean? Have you felt that? You know what? God does too. He knows what it's like to be desperate to get back someone who, feels, who is lost. I wonder if I think enough about that. I wonder if we grasp the importance of it. Because I, I wonder if there would be so many empty seats here if we did. In Luke 15, and if you get your Bibles out, I'm just giving you a warning, we're going to be going to Luke 15. It seems that many people were appalled by the company that Jesus was keeping. What we're talking about are the people that your mother warned you about. <laughs> the stay away from them. Um, the publicans and sinners. And these were exactly the kind of people that Jesus seemed to make a beeline for. And the religious leaders of that time hated it. But then Jesus was sent to show us what God is, who God is, and how he sees us. Jesus was sent to make sure everybody knows who really matters to God. He told us in this, Luke 15, if you've got it out, three stories back to back. And if you know anything about speech writing, you know that if you want to make a point, you say it three times. You will have heard um, about 10, 15 years, education, education, education. Okay? You repeat it three times. He did this in no other time, did Jesus? He told three stories back to back, and this is the only time he did it. And they're all about being lost. So the first one is about an inanimate object, a coin, your phone, basically. The second one is about an animal, 
the lost sheep. That's property, losing property. And the final one is about a son. All of them were lost somewhere worthy of a search and also a celebration when they were found. So um, we're going to read um, Luke 15, 11 to 24, and you will know this story really well. Even your youngest children, your youngest grandchildren, anybody will know this story. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided up his property between them and it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. And after he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who signed him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farm hands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am, starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God and I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and he went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. The son started speech. Father, I have sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him and put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We are going to feast. We are going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. So this is the story of the prodigal son. And this man, this young man, knew exactly what he wanted. He got a full list of entitlement and he was not coming back, no siree. I'll have my half of what I deserve. But he very soon spent up and was at rock bottom. And he realises that although he doesn't deserve any forgiveness or acceptance, it'd be better to be a slave in his father's house doing the lowest of low jobs. And I love, what well, I hadn't noticed about this, I love this because it would be sort of what, he's got his speech ready. We, we can see the workings in the story here. So he's, you know, like, you, so hang on, how am I going to phrase it? So um, I think I'll say this. And he, he was ready to get, he, he's got the plan. Um, so I want to stop this story right now. Because I've never really liked this story very much. I don't like the story about Mary and Martha either, particularly. 
At the beginning of the, um, the story, the passage, it mentions two, two sons. Um, and from verse 25, it references the older brother. So the older brother has a problem with this happy reunion. He's grafted all this time. And while his younger brother has partied, and quite frankly, he doesn't see well, there should be a big banquet for this waste of space. I'll be honest with you. I've always identified with him. I'm a bit of an older square sibling myself. And I uh, have a bit of sympathy for the older brother. I've got an older daughter chip on my shoulder. It's like one rule for one, one rule for another. Why should this wayward, mis uh, wayward son get to misbehave and then get double the inheritance. I've never really liked this story very much. It seems there's an injustice. But I've missed the point of this passage all along. And it's taken to my ripe old age to finally, finally get it. My whole life, from seeing this story in a picture book, as a child, I've got this wrong. We're all the younger son. I am the younger son. Every single one of us here is the younger son. None of us are the older son. None of us deserve forgiveness. Every single one of us has treated God with disrespect. Every single one of us has disobeyed him and fallen short of not only our own standards, but his. He made us, he gave us every good thing and we've just taken it and gone off on our own way and we've all gone away from his instruction of, of how to live life well. We've taken his generosity for granted into the bargain. I'm not the older son. I never was the older son. How arrogant have I been feeling sorry for him. I'm not the older son living a blameless life back in my father's house. I do not have any right to feel aggrieved at the father celebrating the son who was lost because that younger son is me. Can you adjust your head to that? Because it's taken me about a week. It completely changes this passage for me. Of course, there is an injustice. None of us deserve to be invited back into the family. We have all sinned, big or small. To be away from our father, to be out of relationship with him, is to be lost. Forget the high living, the sex, drugs and rock and roll. These are just mentioned along with the abhorrent pig farming to illustrate that it doesn't matter how much you've turned away from God how much or how far we've fallen, the welcome is the same. The welcome home 
And you might have been a Christian for a long time in God's family. And you might have wandered off distracted by the pressures of life. You might have never known or accepted God ever in your life. But being separate from our Father means that you are lost. I am lost. We are all the younger son. I am the younger son. What matters is the welcome home. When you turn and make your way back, he sees you in the distance and he runs two stairs at a time towards you. Even when you confess your sins, Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son or daughter ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes, put the family ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, get the grain um, fed heifer. We are going to party. My son is here, given up for dead. We are going to have a wonderful time. In Ephesians 2, 1 to 5, Paul says, it wasn't long ago that we were all mired in a stagnant life or sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder that God doesn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense mercy and incredible love, he embraced us and he took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. I wish I'd written this next bit up and I didn't. But basically, there are this says there are basically, it does not mean that there are good people who need religion. We are not basically bad people who need restoration. We are basically dead people who need resurrection. We are basically dead people who need resurrection. God doesn't make us better. He makes us alive. God makes us alive. That's the miracle worthy of celebration. So the father strikes up the band, lights up the barbecue, and he says, my son or daughter was dead, but they are alive again. Let's get this party started. It's not just the celebration. He goes beyond that into restoration. And this is an incredible thing which I hadn't noticed before. It's not just, oh, you're back, let's do the party. He restores everything. And you might need to hear this today. Okay? It's not that, like, you know, hey, I lost my son and I was crying and excited to see him. But Jesus restores the full inheritance. He bestows what everyone is lost in the world and they receive now when they're found and at home. 
There are three things that he equips us with. And in verse, Luke 15, verse 22, when you come home, you get a robe. Ever wonder why superheroes wear a cape? It looks good, obviously. But it gives you, makes you stand tall. And he restores the rags of what we have and gives us the cloak of the family with the crest on it of the family. We're wearing the team strip. He says, you belong to me, you're in my team. To be honest with you, I wasn't ever chosen for team sport-wise at school, but you know, you've got the foot. When you're wearing the kit, you're in the team, okay? That's what Jesus gives us. He gives us the ring, the signet ring, okay? The signet ring would have given you the power, would have given him the power to make decisions on behalf of the family, on behalf of the estate. Would have had a crest on it and it would have been used to seal decisions. People who were given the ring were allowed to make decisions about the estate. It's the corporate credit card. If you are a follower of Jesus today, Jesus gives you authority to make decisions in his team, in his family. You got the corporate credit card, you get to do the job. And he gives us sandals. Sandals were given to the family because it enables you to go and go a long distance. Slaves were not given sandals for very good reasons you can't go far in bare feet it's nice on a beach obviously but on a long journey it's tough so sandals give you the right the ability even the nudge to go on family business are you a child of God who has accepted who has been accepted home and you're wearing the signs of the family It's good to be reminded by Jesus today of just how important the lost are to him. They were the entire point of him coming to this earth. The entire point. The entire point of all of his teaching, his miracles, his love, his death and resurrection. It was because God loves the lost so much If we're to fully walk as disciples of Jesus, we simply must have the same loves and the same priorities as Jesus. As children of God, we're meant to bear the family resemblance. We wear the cloak, we wear the signet ring, we wear the sandals, And we're always on the lookout for folk who are lost and alone, away from the Heavenly Father, helping people to find their way back to God. It's not a cute strap line. It's not a cute strap line. It's what Jesus lived and died for. It's what he created the church for. And it's what he calls us into discipleship for. And the great thing is, each and 
every one of us who is a Christian here today, we already know how fantastic it is to be found by the Father who loves us like that. We're in the party and we're celebrating the homecoming. We're not the the well-deserving, well-behaved older child. We're the ones who didn't deserve a thing but got the lot. So it's a delight and privilege to be in the family business. Going out to find the lost. We get to do this. We get to join Jesus in helping people to find their way back to God. And that's the challenge because there are too many spare seats here. Who do you know who's lost and cut off from God, living their own way? There's a sobering thought here. Often people don't appear lost. If you'd seen my son in that shop, you wouldn't have thought he was lost. He looked quite happy, looked well, you know, suitably dressed. He was fine, he wasn't crying. But I knew, looking at the CCTV, that he was separated from me. I knew there was something wrong. So now, thinking about the CCTV of your life, who's coming to you now as being lost? Scanning the shop of your life, who is lost in a corner alone? From God's perspective, can you spot somebody who needs to be reunited with the Father? Did you know that he um, prepared good works in advance for you this week? Did you know that he prepared good works for you in advance this week? What better thing could we possibly do, any of us, than to ask someone if they know Jesus, who made them and loves them, and is desperate to restore relationship with them. Who, is put, who has God put in your week that needs to see his heavenly father running towards them? So just to ask you, if you, know, if you are here, maybe the first time or, or you don't know Jesus, if you, if you want to ask Jesus into your life. If you want to find home, would you just raise your hand now? Today is the day to see God's happy, tear-filled eyes and to feel his embrace. You might need to feel that again. If you know him, you might want to spend some time saying, I want to come home. But if you also, I want you to think about the fact that you already have a robe and you've got the ring and you've got the sandals and I just ask you now um, to think about maybe three people, one person that you can pray for this week. Um, I'm just going to pray and then... um, there's some cards up here 
If you've got someone in your mind, two, three people, four, however, take a card and write it down and take it, put it in your wallet, put it inside your phone so whenever you take your phone and pray and commit to sharing what it's like to be come home because it's such a privilege. We were all that younger son. Don't let anybody miss out on being that younger son when their father embraces them and says, I'll give you everything. I'll restore everything to you. I died on the cross for you so that you can come home and let's party. So, Father, I just thank you that you are so amazing. That you would take a sinner like me and you would want me to be back home with you about your business. Father, I pray that you would put people on my heart and would give me courage to share the joy of being back home with you. Father, we want no one to be lost and alone. And we just thank you that you can find us and we can be at home. Give us the courage this week to be about your business. your name we ask it amen thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org forward slash media